This is a Sunday talk by Todd Corbett titled "Contemplating Non-Duality," recorded June fifteenth, two thousand and fourteen, at the Center for Sacred Sciences in Eugene, Oregon. So this morning I have a prepared talk. Actually, yeah, it's a prepared talk. <laughs> it's it's actually mostly a meditation. So I'm not going to we're not going to start out with a meditation. This morning, but we're going to kind of lead into it from the topic, and it's it's primarily the function of this talk and the meditation is to encourage you to look in your own experience, and of course, that's what we that's really all we do here at the center is we are constantly encouraging you to look and see if what we say resonates in any way. And even if it doesn't resonate, we give practices for you to try out and just see what you find. The whole point of this presentation is to encourage you to notice something which is generally considered hidden. We don't see it, and it's right here. Whenever we experience beauty, just that sense of beauty, we are receiving a wordless spiritual teaching, a very deep spiritual teaching. In a moment of pure beauty, truth, the absolute is showing itself, and you are actually recognizing it directly. We, living in delusion, are unable to see it because we have some understanding about what we see. We believe we know what we are looking at. Understanding is way overrated. (laughs) And the more we look, the more we realize that is truly the case. And then we come to spiritual teachings. It sounds like we have a lot of understanding, a lot of knowledge, a lot of things to believe. But no. Like I was saying earlier... The teachings are there to point us to see something. They are there to direct attention. And to direct attention into our immediate experience. So when we rest attention into the nature of things, we unleash the experience of beauty. We may not recognize that's what's happening, But if we stick with it, we discover that is exactly what's happening. And that is because by paying attention, we begin to cut through our veil of beliefs. The beliefs, what we believe is true, our understanding is the very thing that keeps us from noticing what is. So without direct attention, 
We live in a mundane world. Just notice your experience. Things are just things. You know, there's an old shirt over there. Dirt. We look at dirt. Why don't we see beauty when we see dirt? There's a question for you. (laughs) It's because we believe we know what it is. Imagine if we didn't know what dirt was. What What comes into being in this moment when we don't know is pure aliveness, pure awareness. There is something that melts the mind (coughs) when it is discovered, but it isn't a belief. Why don't we recognize the beauty in that which we consider to be ugly? We're holding an opinion about it, so we can't see it for what it truly is. And when we look at ourselves, we think we know what we are. We typically are pretty much self-denigrating, even if we're doing a really good job and have a lot of pride. There's still this negativity about self. There's something about self that doesn't feel so good. It's hard to put your finger on what that is. But it's obvious. It keeps coming out at us. We believe we are a separate self. Separate in a world of things. A separate knowing person. We believe that experience is divided into a known thing and the knower of that thing. The knower identifies with this body, with this mind. That's who we think we are. And the known is everything else. Everything else. Whatever we look at, it's something that we know. It's an object to us. In fact, we are an object to ourselves. We go, me. I, but if we look at what's taking place, we are referring to something tangible, something objective. Now, I say this, and you could try to believe that, but that wouldn't do you any good. To try to believe this is simply more belief. This belief in a separate self, apart, is deeply conditioned, deeply held. We are absolutely convinced of it. And that is why when someone speaks of this, you hear it, you just kind of shrug your shoulders and go, well, that guy's nuts. How could that be? That doesn't make any sense at all. But when we hold that to be true, that we are a separate self, we constantly feel this sense of isolation. This sense of lack. Something is missing. And we don't know what it is. We just feel it. And so we begin 
to reach for things. We begin to strive. And, uh, and at the very beginning, which is, we think it's our childhood or something, but the beginning is now. Right now, this is what we are doing all the time, constantly reaching for something, reaching for a thought, something to make us feel solid, real. But this isolation that we feel never actually happens. We are never isolated. And the unhappiness that we feel, it is superficial, even if it feels horrendous. We are always happy. We just don't know it. We don't recognize what is actually here because of our belief. And the primary belief is this story of I, this belief in a separate self. So, if we recognize this sense of isolation, it feels real, but we can't really see any cause for it. Right there, we might begin to question. I mean, if we hear a teaching that really makes it clear that there's no separation, and we really kind of get that for a moment, then we are interested in looking to see if that is the case. But typically speaking, we don't get that far with it. We don't have a deep insight into it until we see something beautiful. We see something beautiful, and suddenly there is inspiration. We don't know why we feel what we feel but we recognize something real. There is something real there, but we can't see it and we can't recognize it because we have a story about it once again. In meditation, we will take on a practice of examining the feelings of isolation, of loneliness, of sorrow. Whatever it is that we feel is horrendous, we bring them into attention and we examine them. And what we find is we begin to relax. When we actually let them be and we don't push them away, something happens. We start to relax. What we hold them to be is no longer demanding the story that we've always given it. Miserable. So we just rest with it and we begin to notice it is not what we thought. Just in allowing it to be present. Just by letting it be just as it is. Without acting on it. And when this happens, something shifts. We decontract. We can feel it. And we relax. It's in a state of relaxation when we are not grasping that we are really prone to noticing what is. And so, in a moment of recognizing beauty, given a perfect moment to really look at our experience. But 
generally speaking, beauty doesn't last long enough. It just, it's fleeting. It's gone. So this business of paying attention to suffering, though, is a clue for us. It is clearly an act of compassion, kindness. Without kindness, there is no meditation. Meditation and contemplation, these are, these are compassionate acts. We think it's some kind of drudgery. We think it's some kind of, well, we're imposing discipline. We're going to make ourselves know not that. We allow beauty to call us. Something is calling us. We feel that lack. That lack wants us to know it. And so the, the process of coming to know it and allowing it to be there is kindness, compassion. In Tibetan Buddhism, these mental states, these suffering states, are creatures. They are little creatures that are suffering. And the only way to free them of their suffering is to see them clearly. Clear seeing. And in seeing them as they truly are, they are free. So it's an act of compassion. Until we begin a committed practice of meditation. We are like the man, the poor man, who has a jewel sewn in his clothing, a priceless jewel. He doesn't know he has it. It's hidden from him. It's sewn into his clothing. This poverty of spirit that we have, this poverty, this not knowing, the truth of our being is just like that. We have a jewel, but it's covered over by the clothing of our understanding. So we want to start to disrobe. We want to get rid of these clothes. We want to be naked. It's like in Joel's first book, Naked Through the Gate. We have to be naked to know the truth. So we need to have a way of removing these clothes. And that way is to pay attention to your immediate and direct experience here and now, just as it is. And this is not easy for us because we have spent forever (laughs) believing (laughs) stories. And we take stories to be real. Hiromi knows. (laughs) We all know this. We see it. But we want to perfect this a little bit. And that's what we're going to do today. When we actually see our false beliefs as they truly are, they melt. They are emotion thought. And when they are seen as they truly are, 
They are just energetic display arising and passing away. To begin our investigation, I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to be as honest and direct as you can within your own being. Answer this question within yourself based on no knowledge, just on your immediate and direct experience. The question is this. Are you present right now? Are you? Anybody? Yeah, you're present. You know you're present, right? It's unquestionable, right? Now, that seems like a pretty simple question, doesn't it? Well, that is the only thing you really know. What else do you know? Are you a person? Do you know that? Here and now, do you know that? (laughs) If we let go of thought and belief, we don't know that. We have used thought to drive our sense of identity into a little box called the story of I. And every time attention begins to migrate outside of that box, thought comes in to tell us that that is not real. And so what we end up with is a belief system in which everything that we believe to be true except, are you present? All the rest is imaginary. But yet we hold it to be true. And what is absolutely true, we tend to ignore. This reality that we are is a non-dual reality. It is something which cannot be denied when we begin to investigate. So the Buddha gives a really nice teaching on this. It's very precise and to the point. And you know, the Buddha had a lot to say. (laughs) And so a lot of his teachings were not really that precise. They were, I mean, they were precise, but they weren't, it took a long time to get there. I mean, he wanted to clarify a few things first. You know, you know how it goes. So there was this, there was this fellow that uh, was living in another country far away, and he had heard of the Buddha, and he was very afraid of death. He had had some meditation experience and realized he was going to die. And he didn't want to die before he knew the truth of his being. 
So he traveled. It was very difficult. He finally got to the Buddha. And he found the Buddha in the midst of doing alms rounds in the city. And he came up to him and he goes, I must have a teaching. And the Buddha said, well, okay, well, when I'm done with alms, uh, come and find me and I'll give you a teaching. And he goes, no, 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 no. Uh, You may die. I may die. I need to know now. I need to know now. This is wonderful urgency. Wanting to know. Yes. We should all have that. (laughs) So the Buddha goes, okay. And he puts down his alms bowl and he gives him this very succinct teaching. The teaching is this. He says, in the scene, there is only the scene. And in the herd, there is only the herd. And in the sensed, there is only the sensed. In thought, there's just the thinking. In other words, there's nobody doing any of these things. There is no thing seen, and there is no one seeing it. It's arising in naked consciousness. We don't see that because of our belief system, our stories that are coming up every moment to fill the screen of consciousness. You are this non-dual consciousness. But you see, that doesn't really help us. It sounds like it's wonderful. And we can we get kind of a, a little buzz off of it, but then it doesn't it doesn't stay because we haven't actually experienced it within our worldly life. We haven't seen it nakedly. So the meditation, the contemplation that we are going to do is a way to look into this. And so let's sit for a few minutes just to let the mind settle. Let thoughts just kind of dissipate a little bit. And we will just be looking into our naked experience here and now. So for the first few minutes, if you have a meditation practice, then just do that meditation. Anybody here that doesn't have a meditation practice of some kind that you do? At the center, often we use the breath. We just bring attention to the, the naked sensations of breathing and allow them to arise and pass away. We stay right with them. And we allow our eyes to be open a little bit so that we can notice phenomena uh, and we can become used to visual phenomena arising as we pay attention to this breath, so we're not distracted by the visual field after a while. And that's very useful for, for other contemplations and useful for the contemplation that we'll be doing.
So just uh, sit quietly. If thoughts arise, notice thoughts have arisen. And rather than chasing after them, just note thought and return to the immediacy of the arising and passing, of the sensations of breathing. Okay, I'm going to ring the gong once to let us know that we begin, and twice when we're done. All right. If you'd like to follow our format, stop your player now and practice until you're familiar with these instructions. Then start your player again and continue with the program. Now to do this investigation, first of all I'd like to say that there is no need to get rid of thought. Only if thought carries you away and you don't know where you are, then it becomes a problem. You want to stay aware of what's here. Thought is not a problem for us otherwise. It is imagination. And it is arising and passing away. What is important here is that thought not tell you what your experience is. Don't let thought tell you what is real. Thought does not know. So I have another question for you. Just silently contemplate this. Without reference to thought, are you a body-mind? Close your eyes. And notice what your immediate experience is. Notice these amorphous sensations. And notice the mind wants to tell us what they are. This is my arm. This is my leg. These are just thoughts arising and passing away. 
and they don't know what this is in reality. We know something is arising, but we don't know what it is. We call it sensation, but even that is too much. We'll use the word sensation because we need to refer to it for the purposes of this contemplation. So with your eyes still closed, do these sensations constitute a shape? Can you find an edge to these sensations of order? Do you know where they are? Is it a place? Now don't let thought come in and try to tell you. Thought doesn't know. sensations weigh something? Do they have a weight? Do they have a personality or a gender? Now, with one of your hands, touch your arm. And notice what you feel. What is there? Is it a sleeve? Is it cloth? Is it flesh? These are just thoughts. What do you experience here and now?
if I were to ask you, are these sensations inside of your body? You would know. This is, this is not even a real question. We have no experience of a body here at all. These sensations are the knowing of them. The knowing of them. There is no sensation apart from the knowing. They arise to themselves in consciousness, in awareness. They are awareness. Is there someone that's aware of sensing? Or is sensing itself the knowing of itself. We have the experience of sitting on a chair. Now keep your eyes closed and reach around and touch this apparent chair. And what do we experience? Forget the labels, hand and chair, just let them be. Allow thought to direct attention. That is what it's useful for. That is its function. What is this touching made of? Are you feeling sensations of the chair? Is there an outer and an inner? No. Just naked sensations arising in consciousness. Is there matter? The feeling of solidity, what does that feel like? It is just naked sensations. Now bring your attention to the experience of hearing. 
can you hear the hearing itself prior to sound? And then sounds arise. This voice arises in this open receptivity. We call this hearing, we call these sounds. But these are just names once again. It arises and passes away just now. Is there someone hearing the sound? Listen. sound? Is it up here? Or is it in the same place that sensing occurs? The mind will tell you, thought will tell you, it's up here and you're hearing it over there. But is that your immediate and direct experience? Even the sense of over there arises just here. Whatever arises is just the knowingness itself. Listen again is just arising right here in the knowing of it. Can you even find the sound apart from the knowing of it? Now, without opening your eyes, leave your eyes closed, 
Go to the experience of seeing. Notice the hazy, swirling, patterning, and textures. How far from yourself is this visual experience? See, that's, that's not a real question. We're assuming there is a self that is having an experience. Thought tells us this. Notice that seeing itself, even these swirling patterns, are just one seamless knowingness in the same way as hearing and sensing. Now allow your eyes to open fully, but just straight ahead. Notice visual phenomena arising as things, apparently. This is because The mind is very quick to fill in the blanks and tell you what you're seeing. But what is arising in the visual field is naked visual sensations, very much like sensations of the body. They have no name at all. Notice the sense that what is being seen in the visual field appears to be at some distance. See if you can notice that it is not at some distance, that the sense of distance itself is arising here and now in this knowingness as this knowing awareness. Now, open your eyes wide and look around the room. Can you see? There is nothing outside of you. All of this arises as the knowing itself. Whatever appears is you. You, this pure 
naked consciousness. Whatever appears is you. It is just arising as the knowing itself. If you believe you are looking at a thing out there from a body over here, you are experiencing thought, belief. So let's look at thought. It is amazing how abstract thought has become. It is so much more complex than the reality that we are. When we recognize things as they truly are, we experience total intimacy. When we feel we are a self, we feel contracted. See if you can notice this. When you recognize that whatever you see is in fact just the knowing of it arising within you, it is you. When you feel that, there is a letting go. There is a relaxation that spontaneously takes place. Thought is conditioned to occur. It has been trained. Just like we learn a language and then we speak the language we learned. Or just like when we learn stick shift, it just happens by itself after a while. conditioned. So let me ask you this. What is it that is conditioned? This pure knowing quality is conditioned. And so what we call thought is just the knowing of it. And it arises and tells us something. Something that is conditioned and it passes away. And in delusion, we cling to that thought. Because we believe it is our thought. And, you know, it is our thought, but it's not personally our thought. It's just arising in consciousness and passing away. The content of it is just 
pure imagination. So here's a thought for you. Think this thought and think it over a few times. And don't get too hung up in the content of it. Just repeat the thought. And here it is. I am a person. And keep repeating it. Notice where is this occurring? Notice the content of that thought is trying to tell you something. But if you recognize it as just conditioned thought, then it just passes away. But if you believe that it has some true meaning, it stays. And it keeps speaking. It keeps telling you. It's like, oh, he believed that one, then here's another one. (laughs) And it just goes on and on and on. When you say, I am a person, can you notice the emotional sense that lurks within that that statement, that thought? There's a pulling. I am a person. This is conditioning. Emotional conditioning. Notice these feelings themselves, the contraction itself. It's just the knowing. So it doesn't bind you. The feeling of lack, the feeling of sorrow, it's arising as the knowing, pure and sweet, just as it is. Now we see what the truth of beauty is the beauty of recognizing yourself wherever you look. And when we recognize this, there is this sublime sense of pure relief. the relief of being able to just let go. Indirect experience like this, we discover the reality, the truth of love. This is what we always are striving for. Beauty, love, happiness, 
all flavors of the same realization of the oneness of all things. The value of this meditation is to continue to look in the same way. Keep noticing when your mind comes in to tell you how it is. Mind is there to guide you, to give you direction, to give you instruction. It's not there to tell you what this is. Because thought does not know what this is. Thought loves to tell you what it is. It just gets carried away. Is that the ego that's behind that? Yes, it's conditioned. You know, we say it's the ego, but really it's just conditioning. We've just been conditioned to believe that this awareness that we are is something other than that. That's what it is. Let me read you a quote from Nisargadatta, the Hindu saint. Love says, I am everything. Wisdom says, I am nothing. And between these two, my life flows. Since at any point of time and space, I can be both the subject and the object of experience. I express it by saying, that I am both, and neither, and beyond both. Very sweet. So are there any questions or comments? Yes. Leslie. Um, When somebody says to me, you you are all this, my mind immediately says, oh, this Wesley sitting in the chair is all that. And it becomes kind of a real struggle to try to see that. But the way I would put my little bit of experience in this area is that when when I try to let go of thought, and then I let go of labels, which don't immediately seem to be thought that they are, and they're all over everything. When I let go of labels, then there's just this. There isn't me or you. I mean, there's just this tapestry of reality and sound and so on. Um, and 
when that happens, it's easy to see that yes. I, which is, I don't know how we get I in there, but anyhow, that this is just one. Because there's nobody in there by the up. Yes, and that's exactly what you see when you start to pay attention. That's very good. That's really it. And, you know, there are lots and lots of practices that will bring us into that. But one practice, and I alluded to this at the beginning, is the practice of just recognizing beauty, recognizing love, just in becoming passive and not arrogant in your experience. Already you're noticing the beauty, just noticing what is. And from there, what you describe unfolds quite naturally, if you're true to it. The problem arises when the mind comes in and starts to tell you, even to tell you, I am consciousness, I am awareness. That's just another belief. What we're looking for is the direct and immediate recognition that whatever is arising is arising as the knowingness itself. The knowing itself. When you have a thought, you're not having a thought. The image of me is arising as the knowingness, and the thought is arising as the knowingness. But mind has superimposed the two to make them appear this way. And this is the nature of beliefs. So by doing a practice such as the one that we did this morning, we start to break through some of the conditioning of the mind. We're just setting the side, <coughs> setting the mind aside so that we are not letting it run the show. And we're looking to see right here and now what is our true experience? What is really our true experience? And after a while, we notice when the thought comes in to claim it. We just start to notice. We have discerned what has been happening all this time. What has been taking place is we have allowed thought to come in, and so there is this deep conditioning, patterning, that we identify with. It's become so deeply ingrained. It is our identity. But as we begin to see it as it is, that identity begins to evaporate naturally. It's still there for a while. You still notice it. But eventually, at some point, with a little grace, the whole thing shifts. The base of reference from the person, the sense of me, is no longer the center of the universe. And you recognize it. Just it's just as simple and obvious. And yet, the mind makes everything complicated. And we believe that everything has to be complicated. We see things in terms of complexity. But in fact, it's not complex. The reality is absolutely simple. Any other questions or comments here? Yes. I just wanted to make a comment. Uh, I think the exercise was um, very helpful to see the subtlety of how the conditioning and the mind and the labeling, how very subtle it is. 
Yes, and, and you can do this on your own. When you do your meditation practice in the morning, do your normal practice, your normal, whatever practice you have. Allow the mind to settle. And then just begin by examining in your immediate experience just now. And look at each of the sense fields, just as we did. Take a look. Ask yourself, Ask yourself, is this true? And notice, oh, it's just thought. And when you see thought, you let that go, then you're just with the immediacy of your experience. It's simple, huh? It's simple. So simple. Takes a little practice, just like, you know, it's just like shifting gears. It's because we have such deeply ingrained habits, they're, they're just so intense. But if we work with it a while and we start seeing through the nature of the habit, it just drops away. That's a freedom. Yes. Yeah. Good. Good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you said that um, thoughts don't know the truth. So it makes... It's confusing me a little bit about beliefs. Thoughts are saying, putting a bunch of thoughts together, that in my particular logical mind, I say, oh, yeah, I believe that. So is there no such thing as belief? Now, let me, no. let me clarify. That's a very good point that you made. Thought has a good function. It's very useful. It's just that it doesn't know what this is. It's, you know, it has all of these utilitarian functions, <coughs> like driving a car. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to Um, You want to be able to balance your checkbook. You want to be able to interact with friends. You want to be able to go to work and take care of business. As you develop your ability to witness and recognize what's actually taking place, you know what thought is. It's just the knowingness itself. It doesn't own this show. It's arising and passing away. It's not about thought. It's about being true, being what you actually are, rather than identifying with a story. Where does belief come in? So beliefs are useful, like, for example... Such a thing is a belief? If thoughts don't know the truth, then usually it's the thoughts that will talk to you, which I've read somewhere that uh, our whole lives just take place in our mind. Anyway... um, but in my, whatever my, see, it all goes back to the thoughts that sound, okay, that makes sense to me, so I'll believe it. One of the primary problems with belief is that it is emotional attachment to thought. So we have emotional attachments to certain kinds of thoughts, and even just to the, to the chatter of the mind. It fills in those spaces that we don't want, you know, when we're, when we're deluded, we... We don't like space, because when space opens, we don't exist. And that worries the story of I. The story of I is all about telling itself that it's real. And it does it through emotions, and it does it through stories. And the two go together very nicely. We have stories and emotions stacked one on the other, and they work together to, to convey 
a sense of reality, but it's a, it's a mediated false reality. So when we talk about belief, then, there is the belief that I know who I am, which is a false belief. But within conventional functioning, we need the belief that, you know, I'm, like as a nurse, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, administer some medication, and I go to the meditation medication drawer. <laughs> I go to the and I get out the medication, and I go to the patient. And uh, if I don't have some kind of belief about what I just did, then I won't know. Oh, maybe I better go back and. You know, and then, so so you know we 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 operate through knowledge that is that is actually quite complex. Well, if it's practical, it's that, that you're yeah. talking about belief as knowing the truth. I mean, that's what I was thinking. Yes. Now, belief about the truth is not helpful, oh, okay. but belief okay. within convention, right. it's very useful. That's... Any other questions or comments? Yes. Uh, it's the first time I've done a practice like this. So... And what I went through, I mean, I, I realize now how deeply ingrained my, how that perception is ingrained. I mean, I opened my eyes and I immediately saw there's a guy there, I saw the depth. So it's so, yeah. it's still so ingrained. So I see that now, I, I, and I can get it intellectually. Yes, yes. But that's about... That's the beginning. <laughs> that is the beginning. And the intellectual part, the attention that is being brought into this circumstance is there to frame attention to look. And so that's really the point. I mean, we're up against some deep, deep conditions. You are absolutely right. When you begin to, you, you know, the first time you experience this, it's a flash. You just go, oh, wait a minute. This image and the one that's in my head are the same image. So how can that be? What is going on here? There's something, there's something amiss here. And then when you examine time, you begin to recognize that we don't actually experience time. And as you look closely in your experience, you see that is absolutely true. The more you recognize this, the more you open. It's like awareness is timeless. And everything is moving through and giving the impression of solidity, because when something is solid, something seems like a solid thing. It's just obvious that it's a thing. But with attention, and through certain little exercises, you begin to notice that the thing, the object, first of all, is just arising as the knowing of it. I mean, can there be a thing outside of your consciousness. I, I, I know the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> This is the investigation. So it's really, it's, it's an investigation. We are, we are on an adventure here. It's not just some little novelty that we're doing. This, is, this becomes a huge thing, especially if we're facing some kind of calamity in our life. We, suffering is the thing that gets us to really look. If we're just having a good time, you know, everything's fine, 
The story of I is miserable, but you know, we get used to that. We get used to the misery of being an isolated, separate self. But when something big happens, something terrible happens, then we want to know something about what's really going on here. And then we start looking. So if it comes to, I mean, I hope nothing terrible happens to me. But I do want to get to that point. Yes, and so here's the deal. You don't need anything terrible to happen. Just recognize you are already on your deathbed right now. This body, it won't last. And we know that. It is transient. You begin to see the transience of things. You begin to recognize things are not just growing old and wearing out. Things in this moment are rising and passing away. And you start to see it. And as you see that, you realize, if I want to see into the nature of what's going on, i got no time. So I'm looking now. And so then we have to have like some way of, of bringing our attention into this moment, do a practice of some kind, some kind of a meditation practice, to stabilize our attention, and then we just start to pay attention and we start to discover more and more and more. And I also noticed my ego kind of balking at this. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'm like, what is this guy talking about? Totally heavy stuff above my head, and he's my ego. So I, I recognize that. That's where you start. The, the story of I, it's just conditioned thought, and it, it has a belief in itself. It is real. And... Anything that threatens it is irritating to it. <laughs> and this is one of the things that you face on the spiritual path, is you're facing this sense of self that demands that things be the way it sees them. And you, if you watch closely, you see it doesn't want to look. So this is what you're up against. It's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's bring the formal part of the morning to a close. And you're welcome to stick around and uh, have some tea. Until we meet again, peace to you all. <laughs>